Let's take our Bible tonight and open it, if you would, to uh, the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. And, and I want us to notice a few things that took place uh, at the Lord's Supper the night that Jesus and his disciples uh, partook of that. Sometimes I'm afraid what we do at the Lord's Supper is, is we, have our, we have our Baptist ritual. And we go through this time and we don't stop to really think about all that, that we need to think about. And, and we just kind of like, it's, it's kind of like singing sometimes. We've sung some of our hymns so much we don't need the book. And, uh, you know, if you were to sing the third verse of a hymn, it'd throw everybody off because they don't know those words. But, but, but sometimes we, we sing hymns and we've known the words, we've sung those things for years, so we sing them and we don't even stop to think about what we're singing about. And, and the Lord's Supper, that can be that way, and I hope that it won't be that way this evening. But let's look at Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse uh, 26. The Bible says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. The... The institution of the Lord's Supper was born out of a time of fellowship that Jesus had with his apostles. Now, now keep in mind that Jesus often ate with these apostles. He fellowshiped with them on a regular basis. After all, they followed him for, over, for, for three years, and, and they were with him. But, but this particular time of fellowship was due to the Jewish observance of Passover, now, we don't observe Passover today. Instead, as, as a Christian church, we observe Easter. And it's interesting to notice that the word uh, uh, Passover, Paschal, comes from, from the term of the Passover lamb. And, and, and the Passover was a reminder to the Jews of how God had delivered Israel out of Egyptian captivity. Israel had been a slave in, in Egypt for over 430 years. And it was during this time that Israel actually became a great nation. But they were a nation of slaves. And because they were slaves, because they were denied weapons, and because they were denied organizational abilities, they weren't able to deliver themselves. They were slaves. And, and, and they needed someone to come and deliver them from the yoke and bondage of slavery. And God made the decision that He would free them. He would free them through a series of miraculous plagues announced by Moses. Uh, they had the Ten Commandments on television last night, and if you saw that, you knew what some of those plagues were. As water was turned into wine, as there was three days of darkness, as there were flies and frogs and, and, and other assorted plagues that took place. But the last plague that, that God really broke the back of Egypt was with the death of the firstborn in Egypt. 
that plague broke the back and broke the will of Pharaoh and it had caused Israel to, to be released from their slavery. Now that plague was to take place at midnight. And God told Israel at midnight that the death angel was going to pass over all of Egypt. And when that death angel passed, he was going to kill all of the firstborn that lived in Egypt. Now for Israel to be spared from that plague, they were to take a lamb. And they were to take the blood from that lamb as they killed that lamb. And they were to place that blood on the two doorposts of the house. And they were to place it on the top of the doorposts of that house. Now, I think that is a beautiful picture of the cross. Because if you draw a line from the top of that door down, and then draw another line from the doorpost to doorpost, you have a cross. And you have the blood on the doorpost of that house symbolized by what Jesus was going to do for us at the cross. The lamb was then to be roasted. It was to then be eaten by the family. And at midnight, when the death angel passed over all the land and saw the blood on the house, he passed over that house. That's where we get the term Passover from. We have a hymn that we used to sing that. Uh, you know, when the Lord passes over. That's the idea about this. And every year following that, the Jews ate a lamb with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs to remind them of God's great deliverance. And they do that up until this day. Now, I believe this is what Jesus was doing when he instituted the Lord's Supper. The disciples were around the table. They had the lamb there. They had the unleavened bread there. And an unleavened bread doesn't taste like the bread we eat today, as you're fixing to find out. Uh, they had the, the fruit of the vine there. And they were remembering what the Lord had done in delivering the nation of Israel from the Passover. But Jesus also knew something. He knew that he was going to fulfill the symbolism of Passover by dying on the cross and shedding his blood for mankind's sin. And folks, even today, when we think about our spiritual life and when we think about spiritual death, it is only those who are covered under the blood that escape the eternal wrath of God. And God is one day going to send the death angel for all of us. There is coming a time the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And when God sends that death angel to come and take us out of this life, it is only those who are under the blood of Jesus Christ that leave this life to go to be with Jesus. And as Jesus gave these Jews a, a, the solemn feast to remind them of the first Lamb of God who would take away their sin, Jesus gives us the Lord's Supper to remind us of some spiritual truths. Now, I believe that Jesus, first of all, gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us of the life that had to be lived in order to save us from sin. Now, that life is symbolized in the unleavened bread that you're fixing to receive. Now, in the Bible, leaven always represents sin. In the feast of Passover, no leaven was found in the house. As a matter of fact, after the Passover feast, they went a whole week just eating unleavened bread. They were not allowed to eat uh, leavened bread. They were not allowed to eat that good old pull-apart bread that rises and put butter all over it. No. Leaven represents sin. 
And it represents sin because like sin, it works in secret. Have you ever noticed something that our nature is to hide our sin? When is the last time that your spouse looked to you and said, you know, I'm fixing to go to work today and sin. It's going to be a marvelous day. Or, or, or your kid said, Mom, Dad, we're going to go out on a date tonight and we're going to go sin to the fullest. Man, if our kids had told us that, they'd been locked up in the closet, right? The Bible said men love darkness because their deeds are evil. You see, it is our nature not to do our sin out in the open, out in the light for everyone to see. It is our nature as as sinful and depraved human beings to sin in the darkness because sin is such a thing that we try to hide it. We know it's wrong. We know it's evil. And all of us have those little masks we like to wear to kind of hide what we're doing. You remember Moses when he killed the Egyptian? What did he do? Before he took the Egyptian's life, the Bible says he looked this way and he looked that way. Now, why did he look both ways? He wanted to be sure he could get away with it. And that's the way we are. We like to hide our sin. And leaven is like that. Leaven also symbolizes sin because it has a way of spreading. Have you ever noticed that one sin begets another? David lusted after Bathsheba. That lust led to adultery. That adultery led to murder. And right on down the line, sin has a way of doing that. Just like leaven has a way of just spreading. Now, in order to save us from sin, Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to be sinless. And that is what is represented in the unleavened bread that you're going to receive in a few minutes. He could pay for our sin because he had no sin of his own to pay for. Now, that is truly remarkable. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. And to me, that is one of the most remarkable things about my Savior. Have you ever tried sinning with for a day we can't do that can we now think about it think about our spirit is willing but what does the bible say the flesh is it's weak and and try as we might we cannot live a holy life in the bodies that we live in jesus did man what a remarkable savior we have Tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. I'm persuaded had Jesus been living today, and he is living today, but if Jesus were driving in some of our traffic today, he would really be tested, wouldn't he? Yet without sin. And Jesus lived the kind of life that had to be lived in order to save us from sin. Secondly, Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us of the sacrifice that had to be made in order to save us from sin. Now that sacrifice is seen in the fruit of the vine that represents His blood that we're going to receive in just a few minutes. Now the Old Testament, folks, is full of blood sacrifices being offered to atone or to cover for sin. When you look in the Bible, you see that from Adam to Noah, from Abraham to the time of the law, men set up altars and they made blood sacrifices to the Lord. In the Old Testament times under the law, there was a priesthood. All of the Levites were set aside as priests and they were commanded to offer blood sacrifices on behalf of the people to atone for their sin. You know, when I was a little kid and I began to read about some of this, it always bothered me that a little innocent lamb had to die. 
I, I was kind of a sensitive kid, and, and, I never, and, I, and I never liked that thought. But folks, I believe what God was doing, He didn't want them to like it either. Because God wanted people to see that it took the innocent blood of an innocent Savior who would come to die for their sins. And folks, when we look at the cross, we should always have a little part of us that's in anguish as we see what we did to the innocent Savior as He had to be crucified for our sins. Those sacrifices in the Old Testament all pointed to the sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. You know, those sacrifices were offered week after week, year after year. But the Bible says that Jesus, now once in the end of the world, has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And what Christ did at the cross, he was the satisfying price not only for my sin, but for the sins of the whole world. And as we partake of the cup, we should do so with gratitude that Jesus was willing to go to the cross and pay for our sin. And then let's notice thirdly, Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us of his resurrection and return. Notice what he says here in verse 29. I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now when Jesus made this statement, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. Matter of fact, that next morning, Jesus knew at 9 o'clock he would be put on the cross. He knew at 3 o'clock he was going to die. So when Jesus said, fellas, I'm going to drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom, you know what he was saying? He was saying, hey guys, they're going to crucify me in the morning. That's the symbolism of the bread and the blood. But guys, listen, I'm going to rise again to drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And that's one of the things that we symbolize every time we take of the Lord's Supper. Folks, listen, our Savior is alive. He went to the cross to prepare a place for us that where He is there we may be. And Jesus said, if I go again, I will come and receive you unto myself. But you know, there's something else that I think is mentioned, that, that's inferred here. He wasn't just talking to His disciples. Are we going to drink it new with, with Jesus in His Father's kingdom? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we get to heaven... It's, you know, we're going to do all of the things that we do here, but it's just going to be a more fulfilling thing. Now, folks, how many of you like to eat? How many of you like to drink? Not drunk, drunk, but drink, yeah. And one of the wonderful things about eating, have you ever noticed, like we like to, to, to talk and fellowship around the table, do we not? Hmm? I don't like eating by myself, do you? Hmm? I like looking at somebody when I eat, don't you? And, and, and I like talking with somebody when I eat. And, and that's the picture of this. And Jesus is saying here, guys, listen, I'm coming back again. And Jesus is coming back again for us. And where, that where He is there, we may be also. And folks, when Jesus returns, it's going to be a marvelous, wonderful time, not only of worship with Him, but also fellowship with Him. The Bible talks about when Jesus returns, it's going to be like the marriage supper. Now, you, all, you guys all know what a reception is. I'm fixing to really find out firsthand. 
But you know what we do at a reception? While the, the bride and the groom come in and they greet all of the guests and then they go over there and you don't get any cake until they, they've eaten the first piece, right? That's wrong, but, but right. And they, they cut the cake and they shove it in each other's mouth and hopefully all over their face, right? That's what I hope Jennifer does today, just all over. And then it's just a marvelous time of people getting together and fellowshipping and wishing the couple good things, congratulating the, 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 the groom, and he needs to be congratulated since he's getting my daughter, right? And, and it, just a marvelous time like that. But did you know, in, old, in biblical times, it wasn't just a little finger foods. It wasn't just a little bit of cake. It wasn't just a little bit of something to drink, punch. In biblical times, they actually had a week-long feast. They would eat meals together. They would fellowship together. They'd have great party. And what Jesus is saying when he talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb is when he comes and when we go to be with him in glory, it's not just going to be a little piece of bread here. It's not going to be just a little, little bitty grape juice glass. It's going to be a great feast. Jesus is saying, I'm coming back so we can have a great time. We can celebrate what I did at the cross. We can celebrate my resurrection. We can celebrate my coming to receive you unto myself and having this great reunion. Folks, listen, this is one of the problems we have in church. We don't celebrate when we come to church. Come on, think about it. When's the last time you woke up on Sunday morning or, or came to church on Sunday? Boy, I'm fixing to go celebrate up at that church. <laughs> no, not hardly. But on that first Sunday when Jesus was resurrected, when Jesus showed up in their midst, don't you think they had a celebration? That's why we worship on Sunday, to remember His resurrection. And that's part of the Lord's Supper, to remember His resurrection. Folks, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate a life lived. The sinless, holy life of Jesus. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do so as we bow in gratitude for a sacrifice that was made so we could have eternal life. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we anticipate a promise fulfilled. Wouldn't it be great before we even open this thing up that Jesus comes tonight? And... Uh, we get a little bit better than this. Wouldn't that be great? But as we partake, let's remember the Savior who died on the cross for us because he was holy and is coming back to receive us unto himself.